Inspiring solutions to save America one show at a time. Are you ready to get on board? Folks, it's so frustrating. I have warned so many people so many times that we were headed right where we are. The left-wing lunatics are trying very hard to bring back COVID lockdowns and mandates with all of their sudden fear-mongering about the new variants that are coming. Gee whiz, you know what else is coming? An election. They want to restart the COVID hysteria so they can justify more lockdowns, more censorship, more illegal drop boxes, more mail-in ballots, and trillions of dollars in payoffs to their political allies heading into the 2024 election. Does that sound familiar? But to every COVID tyrant who wants to take away our freedom, hear these words, we will not comply. Well, here we are, folks. That is exactly, in a nutshell, what all of this is about. And the icing on the cake for these people would be convicting him and then indicting him and sending him to jail then. And it's all been it's it's all been so so predictable. Three hours of bold truth and excellence. You've just signed up for the WBR Army. Welcome aboard. This is the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Well, this is our number three of the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Welcome to the family. Great to be with you. One of the things that they said repeatedly, safe and secure. Safest and most secure. When all the votes are counted, Joe Biden will be the winner. So many things that we were told leading up to 2020's election. And then in the days afterwards. It's so obvious. It's so, as Rush Limbaugh said, so predictable. So, so predictable. This is not acceptable. It is not acceptable for us to not have faith in the very system that makes us unique in the world. Other places do it, but we are the land. Of the free. We are supposed to be able to choose who we want. And they corrupted that. And they changed that. And they ruined that. And they plan to do it again and again. And again and again and again. Now, of course, if you have common sense, and I know you do, you see the whole Colorado ballot thing as a... Hail Mary Trump card. They know they're not going to be able to beat Donald Trump. I do not believe the the machinations of cheat are going to be able to be pulled off in a believable way with so many of us aware of anomalies and consistencies. And then that piling on by the machine on us. If we even whispered a question, I'm feeling kind of uncomfortable about this election. Permanently banned on YouTube. Bye-bye. What about these strange vote anomalies? I I worked as, as a precinct, you know, whatever. I saw this. I saw that. You may not speak. 
It's also calculated. It's also obvious. It's also premeditated. It's all part of High School Musical's playbook. We've seen this before. There is no original thought. This, however, makes me angry because Brad Raffensperger, he's as Republican as David Weiss, right? He's as Republican as any as, as Newt Gingrich. You might say it. It might be the letter after your name, but you ain't it. This article in the Gateway Pundit. When people started coming out and saying, you know what, it's so weird. But, and we did a BS board on this. It was extensive. We took three different cities, and this is years ago, so I can't recall all of the specifics. Never before had the tally of voting, tally of votes, stopped and started, and stopped and started, and stopped and started again, within moments of other cities doing the same thing. Never before in our, in our history can I recall that. But there was data, real-time data, of the votes coming in, the votes being calculated. And then when the votes were stopped, there was this adjustment period where they could figure out how far ahead Donald Trump really was and how many votes they needed to infuse the numbers by. This isn't a conspiracy theory. I'm not a wacko. How do we know this? Here's an article. Smoke and mirrors. New evidence suggests that no audit was performed by election machine testing company as claimed by the Georgia Secretary of State. Donald Trump called Brad Raffensperger. He called him and said, Brad, we need real data here. Because the people on the ground who were there are telling me that this is bogus. Specifically in Fulton County, what's going on? Nope. 14 days after the 2020 election, Brad Raffensperger came out and he said, we have done an audit. We've looked at the machines. There's been no anomaly found, no outside interference, no suspicion of fraudulent activity. This is a safe and secure election. We certify this result. We stand behind it because we checked into it. Brad Raffensperger lied to you. Or he was wickedly deceived. And if that's the case, one might question his mental acuity and whether or not he should hold such a high position. So the claim was this on November 17th, literally 14 days after the election, Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger made an announcement that an audit using forensic techniques was completed with, quote, no sign of foul play. In the 2020 election, the statement previously appeared on the Secretary of State's webpage and is, in fact, still available via the Wayback Machine. Very interesting. From the statement, Raffensperger said this. He last week ordered Pro-VNV, a U.S. Election Assistance Commission certified testing laboratory. He ordered them to do an audit of a random sample of machines to confirm no hack, no tampering, quote, pro V&V found no evidence of the machines being tampered. And we were supposed to all say, well, okay. Well, I guess it was just weird that there were such weird fluctuations in the votes going up and down as the vote count stopped and started. But maybe it's just me being a little sensitive. No, it wasn't. Pro V&V according to the Secretary of State, conducted an audit of a random sample of Dominion voting systems 
voting machines throughout the state using forensic techniques. Sounds very scientific, including equipment from multiple counties. All of these various components of these machines were subject to the audit. In conducting the audit, audit Pro-V&V extracted the software or the firmware from the components to check that the only software or firmware on the components was certified for use by the Secretary of State's office. Is this what we certified? It is. Oh, fantastic. Move along. There's nothing to see here. And the claim continued that the testing was conducted on a pro V&V laptop independent of the system. Problem is that besides a watered down audit report, there is little to no evidence that this audit actually took place. In fact, because of an open records request and going to a judge and saying, you know what, we kind of want to see this audit. Like, what do you guys do? The results come back. No audit performed. We don't know what you're talking about. Nobody came and looked at our machines. By the way, why would the Secretary of State pay pro V&V, who's ensnarled in this litigation anyway, to be the one auditing Dominion's machines. It's almost like everybody seemed to be in on something together. Wendy, it sounds again that you're dabbling in the realm of conspiracies. Are we? So in 14 days, Brad Raffensperger, our government doesn't do crap in 14 days, right? But they're able to do this random sampling of these machines in six or seven different Georgia counties. They'll be able to come out and say, you know what? Shazam! We found nothing. Except the problem is, you never tested the freaking machines! This is the same playbook, ladies and gentlemen, as everything else we've been going through. If you raise a question, you are shut down. You're an election denier. You're subscribing to the big lie. You're a conspiracy theorist. You're a flat earther. You're a threat to society because you're using your God-given gift of common sense. Why did none of these cases get adjudicated? Why did none of them go before a judge? Why? Because if one, one went through and the evidence was presented, and quite frankly, it would have to be a jury of our peers to decide, but one would imagine you couldn't buy off an entire jury, could you? Maybe you could. But then all these other cases would go through. And everything that we knew about November 3rd, that it was the safest, the most secure election ever, we did such a good job. Oh, my goodness. You guys voted from home so beautifully. Thank you for letting us co-opt your name and print out all sorts of other mail-in ballots to use on your behalf. Oh, we love that. Brad Raffensperger. Why, dude? Why? Did you know or did you not know? Because if you didn't know, my brother, you got some investigating to do. Or as we would say, some splaining. Dirt bags. When we come back on the Wendy Bell Radio program, they're getting out of the pool, ladies and gentlemen. What does that mean? You know what it means. Harvard sees a significant drop in early admission applications. Seems like not so many people want to go there anymore. Oops. That's next on the Wendy Bell Radio program.
Well, now this is an unfortunate headline. That was facetious. Western Journal, Harvard sees dramatic drop in early admission applications following anti-Semitism plagiarism claims. Look, being in the throes of this right now with my high school senior, I see this college game in a, in a fresh light. It's different than when my second son went through it just a few years ago, right? And I'm sure when my last two go through, it's going to be even more different. After weeks in which Harvard University was vilified as the nation's poster child for anti-Semitism on campus, students looking for a college have decided to look somewhere else. Money talks, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely talks. Harvard said it accepted 692 students from a pool of 7,921 who applied under its early action program. The application pool was down 17% from the fall of 2022, according to the New York Post, when 9,533 students applied for the early action program. The early action thing is, hey, if you accept me, I'm going to apply early. I'm going to give you, I'm going to, I'm in. I want to marry you. I don't want to date anymore. I'm not going to go out for dinner with anybody. I want you. And if you say yes, I will commit to you. That's what that is. And these people are saying, you know what? I don't, I don't even want to date you, let alone get married. The Post said the number was a four-year low and the smallest since the start of the pandemic. At Yale University, 7,856 early applicants came in this year. That's up 1.4% the second highest ever. Harvard's early admission deadline was November 1st, which came after weeks of controversy over Harvard's response to anti-Semitic incidents on campus. Since then, the outcry against Harvard increased when Harvard President Claudine Gay told a House panel, as you well know, that context was important in evaluating anti-Semitic speech. Also, the plagiarism nonsense with her, and it's not nonsense because we have a little bit more on that. This is the, the, one of the most germane, clearest cut, relevant examples of two tiers. If you are a student at Harvard, if you're a student at most schools and you are found guilty of plagiarism, the consequences are severe and they are usually swift. So how can, how can a university who knew of her issues with plagiarism in the past before they hired her, who thought her black femaleness was more important than her integrity, any bodies of work, research that she had done, which there was a dearth of, and certainly nothing that she had singularly authored, a bunch of co-authors, right? How can they allow Claudine Gay to do what they implore their students to never do. Rip somebody else off in the field of higher education, no doubt, and no less. It's not a good look and they know it. This is an interesting story. One of the, let's add it to the list of thank goodness you don't live in California stories. To our friend George who does, I'm sorry. It's a beautiful state, but boy, have they absolutely blown it. Let me see if I can pull this one up. This is one of those that will make you go. 
All right. Headline. <laughs> this is on bizpackreview.com. I love this site. Headline, California does it. <laughs> Votes to force residents to drink toilet water. <laughs> ah, at least your housing's affordable. Not only does the left want you to eat bugs over a steak dinner, they want you to wash it down with toilet water. All in the name of saving the planet. <laughs> California regulators approved new rules Tuesday, just days ago, allowing water agencies to, quote, recycle wastewater and put it right back into the pipes that carry drinking water to home schools and businesses. What could go wrong with that? And we thought a hair and a sandwich was bad. That is just so disgusting. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Note that regulators made this happen via, quote, new rules. This wasn't through legislation by state lawmakers elected to represent the people. The people of California weren't asked, hey, what do you guys think? Do you want to drink poop and pee water? (laughs) Nobody came knocking on my parents' door because I'm pretty sure I know what Dick and Bonnie Bell would have done. (laughs) I yell at my dog when he drinks out of the toilet. Ew! I I can't even... You don't put the seat down? The thing down? That's a whole nother way I can judge you, Brock. Judge away. Judge away. It's a big step. Oh, my dog licked you too, so just so you know. It's a big step for a state that has struggled for decades to secure reliable sources of drinking water for its more than 39 million residents. And it signals a shift in public opinion on a subject that as recently as two decades ago prompted backlash that scuttled similar projects. Hey, not two decades ago, two days ago. I was like, how do you like that, California? Be careful what you're drinking. You go out to dinner, want some water? No. (laughs) I'll take the bottled kind. All right, when we come back on the Wendy Bell Radio program, this is why Harvard is just a microcosm of a much bigger ailment. What it is will drop on you next. Welcome back, my friends. CNN doing something unusual. Jake Tapper last night started his program calling out the double standard at Harvard, giving Claudine Gay a pass as they black female president that they're so desperate to elevate. And they've elevated to the top position there. Who's had a dubious past when it comes to academic integrity, if you will. Allowing her to stay in the position at one of the preeminent elite universities in the world while holding students and others to different standards. See, it's not about equal. It's about extra. If you check the boxes, it's not just about I'm gay and I want to have the same rights that heterosexual couples want. It's I want the world to fall over for me in some circles. I want every opportunity I want to pass up other people. I want to create this storyline that we all needed. We need to fill these quotas of of certain kinds of people to show show our value, our diversity. It's It's the United States of America. We are the proverbial melting pot. How more diverse do you need to be? CNN calling this out. And this may mean Claudine Gay is in some real trouble. 
And this is what Jake Tapper said. Is Harvard University holding its president, Claudine Gay, Dr. Claudine Gay, to the same standards when it comes to plagiarism that it would for students committing the same offense? Well, now that is a curious quandary there, Jake. I'm normally used to you peddling the nonsense of the left. This is a moment of intellectual common sense. I appreciate that. Of course, that's what's going on. You get treated differently. You get different opportunities. If you look a certain way, if you check a certain box. Being the mother of five straight, presumably Catholic white boys, I can tell you. That the bias is real in the college application process. But I stumbled upon something that I think is just... A headline from redstate.com. The Harvard president scandal has become so bad, it could be killing off diversity, equity, and inclusion. Certainly things have not calmed down on the campus of Harvard, quite the opposite. Behind the ivy-choked masonry in Boston, the atmosphere is roiling. After the campus president inflamed the country, we now have faculty members stepping up to decry her stature. And businesses are showing signs of backing away from the once austere character of the college's graduates, as we are seeing evidence of a viral mindset infecting this school. It's not just Harvard. Harvard is the microcosm of it. It's just in it's just in the Petri dish under the microscope right now. But it's everywhere. This is also applicable to the whole Colorado ballot thing. The people are deciding the course and the path that Harvard is going to have to take with this woman. The students who have decided not to apply early action, a 17% drop from last year, they're bud lighting them. That's what the voters of Colorado deserve the ability to do. Let us decide. We know how to vote. We know. And that is our right. That is our honor. And how dare you take that away from us? You know, things are bad when a story like this not only remains in the news cycle, but continues to evolve. And that's been this case. Every single day, there's like a new chink in the armor here. Following her testimony before Congress, yada, yada, yada. She continues, though, in her position as the president, she's fixed. But it's shaky now. Claudine Gay's words have exposed not only the way diversity, equity, and inclusion has metastasized on her campus and others, but also that the press supporting her testimony has become compromised. Become. For the better part of a year, the media have been scorching Elon Musk for supposedly fostering hate because he's lowered the barricades on expression on Twitter. But one thing still not tolerated on his platform is any content making the use of threatening language. Yet, as Dr. Gay has stood by students calling for the eradication of Israel and similar language, the press appears unbothered. See, we're flushing the covey on both wings. You get to see the suck of liberalism and its woke nonsense policies in Claudine Gay and all of the conundrum in Harvard. And you also get to see the media's reaction to it. 
It's a twofer. Some calls for violence are more equal than others. That was the message she left Congress. Yet her testimony was only the beginning of problems for the Ivy League president. Two days after she tried to defend her inaction towards calls for Jewish genocide, claiming that she was essentially a free speech absolutist, we saw Dr. Gay blocked a debate from taking place at Harvard because one of the speakers criticized her comments to Congress. Really? Then word began to spread that Claudine's publishing record was an item of dispute. It was said some of her papers, less than a dozen in total, a woeful amount for a college president. Her papers, she's written less than a dozen. In the world of academia, that sucks. Contain plagiarized elements, and by now the examples are numbering into the dozens, with her lifting content from up to 20, maybe even 40 sources. And when the New York Post looked into the matter, months before Gay's congressional appearance, the school allowed its president to go back and correct some attribution errors. They knew. Before they made her president, they knew. And then they said, you know what, you should probably go back and fix some of that jazz. She didn't do that great of a job, though, because Chris Rufo has found dozens more. Then, allegedly, the allegedly free speech absolutist sent a legal team after the post for uh, defamation, after, of course, that was exposed. This growing cloud of discrediting detail has led to ramifications over the past couple of weeks. Billionaire hedge fund manager and alumnus Bill Ackman has been leading calls for Gay's ouster. One prominent law firm has declared it's pulling out of an on-campus recruitment. And as we covered, early enrollments are seeing a significant plunge following the controversy. But perhaps the most telling aspect of a title shift, and possibly one that is tectonic, comes from a letter penned by a sitting member of the Harvard faculty, Mark Ramsire. He delivered an email to the rest of the faculty that is scathing in its approach to not just the issues surrounding Claudine Gay, but as to DEI as well. I'm going to open it up and I'm going to read it to you. This is what this gentleman says. Eloquent and heartbreaking. Harvard is a vastly less tolerant place than it was when I arrived. In 1998, this professor writes, the intolerance is a function of an increasingly large fraction of our colleagues and we, the rest of us on the Harvard faculty, let it happen. The canceling, the punishments, the DEI bureaucracy, the DEI statements, the endless list that we could all recite. All of this happened on our watch. We saw it happen, but we did nothing. We were too busy. We were scared to speak up. We, we of the faculty, let Harvard become what it is. The Harvard that we have is the result of our own collective moral failure. The moral failure, my friends, is North is still North. Even when it's uncomfortable. Especially when it's uncomfortable. That the Harvard that we have now is the result of our own collective moral failure. And he finishes up with this. The alumni who are furious are not trying to turn Harvard into something we do not want. They are trying to rescue Harvard from what we let it become. We as a faculty failed. 
That is why the alumni are speaking up. That is why we formed the Council on Academic Freedom in the first place. How do we expect younger generations to do what we are not brave enough to do? How are our children supposed to learn self-advocacy? How do they learn independence? How do they develop their moral backbone, the DNA, that double helix of who they are and what they're willing to stand up for if they do not have role models who are willing to show them what it looks like and what it sounds like and what it feels like. You know that email I got that I started this program with this morning of a woman who hears me on this program, who heard me last week say it's so curious that the biggest hospital system in the state of Pennsylvania where I live was bringing back masks on a very specific day. That day was yesterday. And that it was announced to their hospital-wide staff a week ago. Decided to put her foot down. And when she was told yesterday at her annual gynecological exam, before she could even go back to see the doctor, put on the damn mask. And she said, no. And they said, well, sorry. We don't want you here then. She took her purse. She walked out. And she found another hospital system. And she wrote me to tell me that it felt good. How will our kids learn what that's like if we're unwilling to seize the moment? The video that you need to see that will remind you why we're doing this. The fight and the win. Next on the Wendy Bell Radio Network. You know, it seems when I look at my rundown of the shows, and I, I kind of block everything out so Brock knows what's going on, and, and today I hopscotched all over the place. It was woeful. Woeful. We got it in, by and large. <laughs> but it really is all connected. And I lamented to Brock this morning as I was looking for stuff I wanted to talk to you about. It seemed very scattered. Very haphazard all over the place. But it's, it's really not. Because every one of these headlines that we've discussed, whether it's the lie that they conducted an audit of the machines in Georgia, or, or it's the lie that Joe Biden never profited from his brother's business stuff and his son's business stuff, or, or it's this new over, oversight witness coming forward and saying, look, I mean, we've got proof. There's checks. We, this is where the money came from. Or it's Harvard and it's conundrum with this Claudine Gay woman. All of these stories, they're all snapshots. They're small little microcosms of this bigger disease. You know, it's apathy, I think. That we have been woefully apathetic. And I regularly say that about myself. About getting involved more. But that professor at Harvard saying, we as a faculty failed. 
that is why the alumni are speaking up. That is why we formed this Council on Academic Freedom. They're trying to rescue Harvard from what we have let it become. Nobody stood up when somebody created an idea. You know what we should do? We should have 450 different clubs on campus. So everybody's little individual pet project, whatever their, their favorite thing is that they like to do, can be represented by a club on campus. All of this is divisive. There's no central unifier. There's no yay, this is who we are, but rather what the hell have we become? And, and when you look at what apathy gets you, there is a point where it cannot be remedied. I, I know we're not there yet. But this takes action on all of our parts. Whatever you do, whatever your your skill, your gift, your knack, your whatever, whatever you can provide, your time, you can work in a poll. You can work at a ballot plate or a, a, an election precinct. You can be a, a poll watcher. You can do all sorts of things to get involved. That is what it's going to take. That's what the Confederate Memorial needed. It needed bodies. That 32-foot tall bronze statue, she needed us. She begged for us. But we're woefully apathetic. You need to hear this, though. This was banned on Facebook. We're going to take you back to 2020. This is one of the final campaign ads that Donald Trump dropped on America. He dropped it on the world. And I want you to hear what he had to say because I want you to feel that again. Because I do. Go. America is a land of heroes. A place where greatness is born where destinies are forged and where legends come to life. This is the home of Thomas Edison and Teddy Roosevelt, of many great generals, including Washington, Pershing, Patton, and MacArthur. This is the home of Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, Amelia Earhart, Harriet Tubman, the Wright brothers, Neil Armstrong, and so many more. This is the country where children learn names like Wyatt Earp, Davy Crockett, and Annie Oakley. This is the place where the Pilgrims landed at Plymouth and where Texas Patriots made their last stand at the Alamo. The American nation was carved out of the vast frontier by the toughest, strongest, fiercest, and most determined men and women ever to walk on the face of the earth. Our ancestors braved the unknown, tamed the wilderness, settled the Wild West, lifted millions from poverty, disease, and hunger, vanquished tyranny and fascism, ushered the world to new heights of science and medicine, laid down the railroads, dug out the canals, raised up the skyscrapers. Our ancestors built the most exceptional republic ever to exist in all of human history and we are making it greater than ever before 
This is our glorious and magnificent inheritance. We are Americans. We are pioneers. We are the pathfinders. We settled the new world. We built the modern world. And we change history forever by embracing the eternal truth that everyone is made equal by the hand of Almighty God. America is the place where anything can happen. America is the place where anyone can rise. And here, on this land, on this soil, on this continent, the most incredible dreams come true. This nation is our canvas, and this country is our masterpiece. We look at tomorrow and see unlimited frontiers just waiting to be explored. Our brightest discoveries are not yet known. Our most thrilling stories are not yet told. Our grandest journeys are not yet made. The American age, the American epic, the American adventure has only just begun. Our spirit is still young. The sun is still rising. God's grace is still shining. And my fellow Americans, the best is yet to come. Right? We'll see you tomorrow. Peace.